0: You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders.
1: Cam Chancellor comes up and just unloads. Number 31 clean his clock.
0: Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday.
1: Russell has time. Fires down the middle. Got his man Baldwin. He is in. Touchdown Seahawks. Doug Baldwin again.
0: Powered by Seahawks.com.
1: Welcome to the Seahawks Insider Podcast. I'm Jen Mueller alongside John Boyle as we get you ready for the Seahawks game in Tampa Bay against the Buccaneers. It is Thanksgiving weekend, and John, it seems like you have to talk about food and you have to talk about Thanksgiving traditions. All right. Favorite kind of pie on Thanksgiving? On
0: Thanksgiving? I think, you know, on Thanksgiving, I'm going to go pumpkin. It's not necessarily my favorite pie, but just something about the holiday. I. I would go with pumpkin pie for Thanksgiving. If you ask me any time of your favorite pie, it wouldn't make the list.
1: Well okay, so here's the debate that's happening at my house. I made two pies. I'm hosting Thanksgiving, so I'm in charge of, you know, a lot of food. So my Thanksgiving pies are always pumpkin and pecan. And I'll take pecan. Any day of the week, any month of the year, it is my all time favorite. I'm well,
0: not a big pecan pie guy myself.
1: Yeah, but to me that's the holidays. Here's the debate in my house. My husband really wants an apple pie. I apple don't think pie? we need three no, pies, apple pies. And I good don't for think Thanksgiving. apple is Thanksgiving. Yes, it
0: is. I'm siding with your husband. Oh my god. Apple pie is a Thanksgiving pie. You know what? I have yeah. been
1: working in the kitchen. My efforts are not appreciated. <laughs> All right, well, now that we've gotten that out of the way um and far as favorite pies go, that seems a lot more fun than talking about the injuries that the Seahawks have suffered, which I really think is where the conversation has to start, John, because of the number of them suffered in last week 's game against the Eagles and the significance of them
0: yeah it was it was a rough one, and both teams had just a ton of injuries and Then you talk about who is missing for this Seahawks this week uh, you know we know for sure c j process is out. Uh, sounds like Earl Thomas and Deshaun Shedd, there's a pretty good chance they'll miss a game. So uh, obviously Michael Bennett is still probably not going to get back this week. There's a chance, but they're not really counting on that. So you're you're talking about a lot of real important players who are going to be unavailable.
1: Yeah, and that Bennett news is kind of new because th- – At one point last week, he really was targeting this game to return. I I think he probably wanted to return for a number of different reasons, including the fact that he had played for Tampa Bay. Yeah, players
0: always like that when you you know. It's not like I think he had some terrible falling out there, but anytime one team's willing to let you leave, you you feel like you want to go show them what they're missing. So uh, I'm sure he really wanted to get back, but they're not. You know, they're playing the long game here. This is all about. You know, trying to keep the season going well into the postseason, and you don't want to rush a guy back if he's not ready.
1: So we know that Michael Bennett now is targeting the game a week from now, which would be against Carolina. That's also the date that the Seahawks are expecting to get Mike Morgan back. So that's the silver lining, knowing that there's going to be some reinforcements. But let's dive into some of the injuries suffered. And on defense, you hate to see the example of how deep this defense is. But you have seen that on display when they can weather the number of injuries and still come out ahead in a game.
0: Exactly. And Pete Carroll, this goes back to, you know, when you go back to the summer and training camp and they they saw this roster. And Pete was really excited about the depth on this team. And, you know, he compared it, which is always dangerous when it's a Super Bowl year. But he compared it to 2013, not to say this team is going to win the Super Bowl, but just he liked the depth that it had in kind of a similar fashion. And now we're seeing it, and it's been impressive. I mean, they're they're three games up in their division, despite playing four games without Michael Bennett, four games without Cam Chancellor. They've had four starting strong side linebackers, used a ton of defensive linemen. They've been deeper in that rotation than they have been in years, which is a really good thing. So, you know, as you said, the reinforcements are coming. Michael Bennett will be back soon. Earl Thomas and Deshaun Shedd, these aren't serious long-term injuries. So eventually this defense is going to look healthier, and they're just going to be better for all the experience these guys get for if they're ever called upon again down the road.
1: We'll get to the D-line and the number of snaps and kind of how they have been divvied up in the last few weeks in just a minute. But go back to that secondary because without Deshaun Shedd and without Earl Thomas, we saw Nico Thorpe taking on a larger role. We saw Steven Terrell coming in when Earl Thomas tweaked his hamstring Where are we at with the depth of the secondary? Because I know the defensive line has plenty of pieces to keep rotating through.
0: Yeah, so Nico Thorpe, as you said, he came in, played a bigger old corner. I I would imagine we'll see what we saw in the game, which is Jeremy Lane going from being the nickel guy to an every-down guy, and then Nico Thorpe comes in when they need a third corner. Um, They liked what they saw out of him, and beyond that, they did get DeAndre Elliott in a little bit, too, when Nico Thorpe was cramping up a little bit so uh, you know i don't think they're too worried about their depth there it's you know you always wonder when your depth is tested if there was another injury that's where it really becomes a problem uh steven terrell that you know he's been here he knows the system he's been around a long time and it's one of those you you know you hate to see a guy go down but it's kind of good for steven terrell because when you back up earl thomas you don't get a lot of opportunities i mean earl thomas had started a Franchise record 106 games. So, if Terrell does get a chance to start, that'd be a pretty cool moment for a guy who's been around, done some great things on special teams, and just kind of always stayed ready without getting the call.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You bring up a good point. You're always working to be the starter to make that start, but it has not happened in Earl Thomas's career. As John said, 106 regular season games started. He has never missed an NFL game in his career. And if you count the playoffs, that is 108 team consecutive starts and here's what I'm wondering even though you've got somebody who's in the system and, and I'll say this when I look at the number of injuries I'm not really concerned about it am I missing something here should I be I mean I don't want to see guys go down but I'm not in panic mode over these injuries
0: no and I don't think you should be because as we were just talking about it it is a deep and talented group and I think you know when you start looking at this specific game in the matchups if Look, if you didn't have Richard Sherman out there and Mike Evans was out there on uh, n- not nothing against Nico Thorpe, but there's a guy who's barely played. If if you got Mike Evans on Nico Thorpe ball game, yeah, I'd be a little worried. But you've got one of the best cornerbacks in football who will probably move around a little bit to cover Mike Evans. So if you kind of can neutralize that top weapon they have, I you know it's not ideal to be missing all these guys, but I think this team is built to withstand it.
1: Some folks have asked me about Kelsey McRae sliding in and playing more. He was strong safety when Cam was out. What's his ability to potentially play free safety? I mean, they'll,
0: I, I would assume they'll get him ready to do both this week, just because. And I actually wasn't sure before Wednesday when Pete Carroll talked. I wondered if they might look to do that because we did see Kelsey McRae play some um, some free safety in training camp, and uh, I think you know if he had been playing there all year is a backup maybe you look at, but he's been doing so much strong safety. He started the four games for Cam, obviously. So Terrell's been doing it more. They like what they have there, but yeah, in a pinch, he's a guy that can do both and they really like his flexibility there. and, And they did do a bunch of that in the off season. So he's a guy, you know, if you need him, he can do that, but, I think they like Terrell there just because he's been doing it more.
1: Okay, but what are the plays that are not going to show up on a week-to-week basis that Earl Thomas takes care of that Steven – and it has nothing to do with not knowing the system or not being aware or not playing solid football, but Earl is in a very special category. So what is it going to look like? What plays are going to happen perhaps – that wouldn't if Earl was in the lineup.
0: I would think we're just maybe, if anything, we'll see. It's it's not even plays that will or won't happen. It's what they try. I mean, there's team, teams just – Pete Carroll's brought this point up a lot. Go, if you go back and watch, just teams don't try certain routes, certain deep stuff over the middle on Earl Thomas because they just know. So even if Stephen Terrell is more than capable of making a play and maybe he'll make some big plays – He's not going to have the reputation of we can't even try this because that's Earl Thomas lurking out there, so I'm sure some some teams will you know whether it's this week or if it goes beyond this week, teams will test Steven Terrell more than they would Earl Thomas and again, no knock on Stephen Terrell, but Earl Thomas is such a unique player when you talk about the range and the instincts and all that so it's it's not just the the interceptions or the big hits it's it's just take I mean he just erases so many plays.
1: Well, and as Richard Sherman pointed out this week, Jameis Winston is the type of quarterback who yeah. likes to take He'll chances. He'll gamble anyway.
0: A yeah, I mean he's having a great season. He's got twenty touchdowns, but he, you know, he's not a guy that is going to go a season throwing five interceptions like we might see out of Russell Wilson. He, he'll take some more chances, and certainly the Seahawks secondary hopes some of those chances results in more turnovers.
1: Well, in fact, it did early in the season for Jameis Winston. He threw eight interceptions in the first four games he played this year. He's thrown just two yeah. in the last six games. He's so, cleaned it up a lot. So so there's going to be some opportunity for the secondary, but here's the other thing I'm looking at. You, know, you can look at the matchup, but that is provided that he actually has time to throw the ball. And with the way that that defensive line is playing, they're going to be in his face all day long.
0: Yeah, I think one of the more impressive things about this season is the Seahawks are tied for the NFL lead with 31 sacks without arguably, you know, a top five, maybe better defensive end in Michael Bennett in the entire league. He's been out four games and you're still putting up those kind of sack numbers. Cliff Averill, everyone knows, has been outstanding this year, should get to his first Pro Bowl, hopefully. Uh Frank Clark has taken a big step forward and you know, as much as you don't want to lose Michael Bennett, this might be the best thing that's ever happened to Frank Clark and Cassius Marsh as well is getting a lot more runs. So these guys are getting a lot of experience and they're playing well.
1: Same sort of thing. When you said Steven Terrell's finally getting an opportunity with Earl Thomas, you know, Potentially banged up for Sunday's game. Chris Richard said the same thing about Frank Clark last week. You know, we knew that he had talent, but he was not going to get that time with Michael Bennett ahead of him. Here's what I wanted to point out. When you started talking earlier about that rotation of defensive linemen, last week against the Eagles, seven defensive linemen played at least 42% of the snaps. Those seven were Frank Clark, Cliff Averill, Demonte Moore, Jaron Reed, Tony McDaniel, Cassius Marsh, and Ataba Rubin, okay? So it shows that there's a lot of depth. Last season, only four guys were averaging about 32% of the snaps played. So y- they were on the field a lot. Here's why this is also significant. If you go back to the year that the Seahawks won the Super Bowl, It was seven guys who were getting 45 to 50% of those snaps. And in talking to Cliff Averill this week, he said, yeah, I'm sure that that's been the case the last couple of games. I can feel a difference. I know that I need this for the stretch run. If this is the rotation that the Seahawks have, and add one more when Michael Bennett gets in – man, they're going to be tough in December.
0: Yeah, and I, I talked to Cliff Averill about that this week, and he said the same thing. He said this kind of feels like that 2013 team in terms of the rotation. Or, you know, go back to that year. He and Mike Bennett weren't starters on that team. Right. Red Bright and Chris yep. Clemens were the starting ends. But you had all these guys kind of spreading out the playing time more, and it just, you know, that that is such a high-energy, high-effort position that it's really hard. Some guys can do it. Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill played a ton this year and been great, um, but it's hard to do. And so if you can you know, take a few more snaps off every game. That adds up at the end of the year where you're just that much more fresh.
1: Well, especially when the defense has been on the field a lot. A Even bit. last week, they were on the field for 80 snaps. Yeah. You know, the Eagles were able to get that play count up a little bit over the course of the game. So that all adds up. And this week, what I'm really looking for the defense to do is to make it difficult for Jameis Winston on third down because the Bucks last week, 11 for 16 on third down conversions. That's the third highest conversion rate of any team this year in the league and they are consistently over the course of the year one of the best teams at converting on third downs conversely limiting third down conversions by their defense so uh, i look for a little bit of disruption there to make it very difficult on those third down situations and the
0: seahawks defense did take a step forward last week they were i think six for 16 the eagles were so after a few weeks of being kind of uncharacteristically high and up around 50 percent and worse they, they got it going a little bit better. So, you know, as you were talking earlier, the pass rush is going to be a big deal. And Tampa Bay likes to run the ball too, so it's, those early downs are going to be important to, to limit, you know, make those third downs a little harder.
1: And it looks like Jaquiz Rogers will be active for them. He's missed the last three games with a foot injury. Quickly, before we move over to the Seahawks offense and the Bucks defense, Mike Evans. He's good. Uh, he is. He's pretty good. Now, Winston has been spreading the ball around to lots of different pass catchers. I think it was six different receivers last week. But what can we expect from Mike Evans? And how much can we expect Winston to go to him?
0: You know, I think he'll go that way a lot. It could depend on how much we see Richard Sherman on Mike Evans. Good point. I don't think as good as been big and physical and all the great things about Mike Evans, I don't think even if Richard Sherman follows him the entire game, that Jameis Winston's just going to say, nope, we're not going to throw that way. But you might pick your time a little bit more than if you can get some more favorable matchups. But yeah, I, I I think you know he's got a lot of targets this year, and it it's understand it's easy to understand why. I mean, he's what six five six six runs well. He's I mean he was a top ten pick for a reason. He's what you're looking for in that prototypical receiver. So that's I mean that to me is going to be one of the biggest keys with that offense. He'll, he'll catch some passes, but you can't let him get a bunch of big shots downfield.
1: All right, when it comes to the Seahawks' offense, a season-high 439 yards of offense against the Eagles, which is super exciting, and getting 300 yards in the first half was awesome, and I think that all got tempered just a little bit by the injuries to C.J. Proceis, to Tremaine Pope. Um it, and maybe what that does to a running game that was just starting yeah. to find its groove.
0: It's, I mean, the good news is you got Thomas Rawls back. And, you know, I think as this went forward, no matter who was available, Rawls was slowly going to become the the lead back, getting the, the bulk of the carries. Uh, Pro that I mean, you're going to miss him. He was so good in this limited time. But uh, I think overall, with what we've seen out of the growth of the line, Russell Wilson getting healthier. I think kind of it's a net positive of all the things that have gone well recently versus the negative of who you've lost. But yeah, it's. It's going to hurt you losing size for sure, and you know they were excited about Torreman Pope. We barely saw him, but he's. It, it sounds like the good news on Torreman Pope. It sounds like he's bouncing back from that ankle injury quicker than expected. But yeah, that that position group's getting a little tested from a depth perspective.
1: Well, but when you mentioned Russell Wilson last week against Philadelphia, carried the ball five times for twenty three yards. Entering the game, he had just sixty yards rushing. So if you consider that he had gotten about a third of his total yards in a game. No reason to think he couldn't add to a little bit more. You kind of make up for that, like you said, it's the net positive at the end. And with Russell being able to do the Russell yeah. things that we're used the to, thro- I
0: think the throw to Jimmy Graham. I mean, that, yeah, plays like that you just didn't see earlier this year. And to to be able to make those throws on the move, we saw a few of them. He had that crosser he gets to Doug Baldwin, where he's running forward to his left, and Baldwin's flying across the field to his right, and just those awkward angle on the run throws. Those are back, and when they're doing that, this offense gets so much more explosive.
1: What can they expect from the Tampa defense? Because there's a couple of names that I recognize on that defense. And the numbers, they're about middle of the pack, right? Yeah. Tam- Tampa's kind of in the middle on both offensive and defensive stats.
0: Yeah, they've got, you know, I think you got to start with right up front with McCoy. I mean, he's a, he's a pro bowl defensive tackle and the kind of guy that can... Those defensive linemen, when they get going, they can just wreck a whole game plan because... If if he's disrupting things up front and you can't run on him or if he, if he's rushing the passer, it, it screws everything up. So you're gonna have to slow him down. Levante David's a real playmaker, a linebacker. So they've got some guys who can make it difficult on you. They're not, you know, this isn't a defense that ranks top ten and everything that you're thinking is gonna be the hardest test you face all year, but by no means is this a group you can just look at and assume the Seahawks are gonna march up and down the field on.
1: Well, and you still have chemistry being built across the offensive line, Indeed. which that yeah. depth was tested last week as it well. It was.
0: But again, like it, it's kind of one of those it you don't like seeing it at the time, but it can be a positive going forward with. They really like what they saw at Riso Deimbo. He, you know, he's a guy that just hadn't got his opportunity yet and he had to go in there for a couple series when Fant went down and was held up very well for a guy with a zero NFL experience. So, you know, now you know you've got another guy if you need him who's who's played a little and can do it. But yeah, that group I really like what they've shown the last couple of weeks, just how they've moved forward with, you know, they've had some different changes. They've had to bring George Fant in there, but they're, they're getting better. Both, you know, they've been protecting okay all year, but that seems to be getting a little cleaner now that Russell Olson's running around and then the run game. That's, that's a big difference is they're starting to get off the ball, kind of fire off as a unit and clean things up the way they're blocking.
1: Yeah. And I do wonder too, if it wasn't helpful that they all just kind of grow together with, um, You know, Russell's health getting better in talking to Doug Baldwin and and just kind of the observations from the sidelines during game days. They're going back to talking about those scramble drills and those scramble plays and kind of where you go, which is something that was a non-factor for the first few weeks of the season, right? Because Russell could not move. And so, you know, it makes things different on the offensive linemen. It makes things different on your receivers and your tight ends. So they're actually getting to come together at the same time
0: Yeah. And look a lot like the Seahawks offense again. And
1: look exactly like what we want to see from the Seahawks at this time of the year. Yeah,
0: I mean, it wasn't just the yards last week. It was season high in yards and rushing yards, yards per play, yards per carry. I mean, it was up across the board. And as Pete Carroll loves, they didn't turn the ball over again, which is sixth time and seventh game without a turnover. And when you can do that, when you can be explosive – and not turn the ball over, that's pretty much the ultimate formula for an offense.
1: Well, and they are going to be tested because Tampa Bay has recorded at least one takeaway in six straight games, and they have recovered a fumble in six straight games. So they are certainly a ball-hawking defense that is going to test that.
0: Yeah, something's got to give, right? Something's
1: got to give. Last thing before we wrap it up, you know – I think the Seahawks are such an impressive team on lots of different levels, talent-wise, the way that they execute on the field. But one of the things that impresses me most is their ability and their willingness to share their expertise, whether it is the secondary and guys like Richard and Cam mentoring some of the younger guys, the practice squad guys, guys like Nico Thorpe who come in you know, from a different organization, or it's Russell Wilson reaching out to a guy like Jameis Winston and saying, here's what would be helpful for you. I think that's so impressive because I don't know that every professional does that. Yeah.
0: And you know, it's, it's interesting. Jameis Winston was on a conference call with the Seattle media and he brought that up that they met at the pro bowl in Hawaii last fall or last winter. And, you know, Russell Wilson was really great to him and helped him out. Just sort of some of that, just the basic stuff that you know after you've been in the league for a while but that's new to you and you get there just nutrition and how to take care of yourself and be a professional. And, you know, it was interesting that Winston brought that up because Russell Wilson's talked a few times about the impact – some brief interactions with Drew Brees had on him at the Pro Bowl in 2012. So, you know, for Russell Wilson, maybe it's just sort of a paying it forward kind of thing because he had a veteran help him out, and now, you know, yeah, he saw he saw a young guy with a timing ton of potential. Jameis Winston has so much of what you look for in a quarterback, but there's stuff he's got to learn, and Russell Wilson helped him out a little bit with that.
1: Yeah, I think that that's neat since they are competitors, and it's a— um it is a business, and it's one that uh, he's probably going to have to be dealing with Jameis Winston a few times. Yeah, I, w- I would be with, with
0: some of the young talent on that team, we might see them in the postseason down the road yeah, somewhere. Yeah, we might fun. have
1: to contend with him a few different times. Well, that is going to do it for this week's edition of the Seahawks Insider Podcast. Make sure that you check out previous podcasts on seahawks.com slash podcast, or you can find us on iTunes. That'll do it for this week. We'll see you next time.